Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. My wife comments said uh, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors, and we're so thankful that you chose to be at church today. So uh, all of our first-time guests, let's welcome all of our first-time guests, family. Come on. It's actually, so there are so many people that we met yesterday at the Family Fun Fest. And so I, I want to give a special welcome to the Zimmerman family. Great to see you guys. We met them yesterday at the Family Fun Fest. I uh, just moved here from North Dakota. Come on now. They came down to the Holy Land. Come on, somebody. Welcome, welcome. Glad that you are here. Uh, as always, I want to take just a moment, look directly into the camera. We have people that join us online all over the world, and I want to welcome our online family. No matter who you're watching with, where you're watching from, you're part of the Vibrant family. We love you. We care about you. We pray for you every day. Let's welcome our online family in. Come on, let's do it. Two things I want to tell you about before we dive into the Word today. I, have, I am super excited to preach today. I have so much to bring to you. Uh, but number one is just I want to reiterate about baptisms next Sunday. Baptisms, it's all about going public in, in, the, in your faith, right? And, and the reason why that we do it uh, is, is Peter preached the first New Testament church message ever preached, right? In Acts chapter 2. And in, in verse 38, he says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, right? And for remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have never been baptized before, in Jesus' name, I want to encourage you. I want to baptize you next week. I mean, we remove every um, obstacle there could be. Like, we give you extra clothes. We heat up the water. We give you a towel as soon as you get out. We have, well, like, we do every, we'll do everything for you. Uh, we just want you to just agree, say, hey, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you have never been, I, I want you to do that. Sign up next Sunday. It's going to be tremendous uh, like we said, it's one of our favorite Sundays of the year. And so, um, and then the second thing I wanted to tell you is a, a few Sundays ago, we announced to you, we told you about a few needs that are going on around our, our building. Obviously, we just finished the construction in our building, but it's now it's about making this house a home. And one of those things was putting acoustic paneling um, on our building uh, around the, uh, the back walls, because as you can tell... It's a super live room as far as the bounce back. And so it will help us to actually bring down the volume of our sound and make it sound cleaner. Uh, and so for that, um, just the initial cost of that was $5,000 to get the first phase of that. And, I, and I'm happy uh, to announce that as of, uh, as of Friday, we have $3,700 that have come in towards our acoustic treatment. And so thank you. Give yourselves a hand. That's because of you. And so we're operating in faith. We're just believing the rest of it's going to come in. And uh, so we went ahead and ordered that, and we're going to get that in by Easter and get it installed. And so the next step for us is to add a feed in our lobby for our safety team so they can enjoy church while they're serving, and then adding furniture to outfit dream team rooms and kids' rooms and things like that. So if you want to give to any of that, you just go vibranthtx.com slash give. Make sure to label it forward, okay? Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Excited. This is the second 
second week of our series called The Good Book. Everybody say, The Good Book. So I got, I, I got to check up on the homework assignment. Did anybody go get a paper Bible this week? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, I got some people. We got a paper Bible. I got my paper Bible people in the house. I saw Luis. He came in with a paper Bible. He, he had to carry that thing with two hands. It's so big. Like, yeah, he brought the family Bible. That's what I'm talking about, bro. That's good, man. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, the good book is God's Word, the Holy Bible. We've received so much feedback from the series so far, not only in person, but so many messages digitally, just thanking us for doing a series like this. Uh, I, you know, I think it's important, uh, you know, if I can leave a legacy in ministry, it would be about two things. Number one, it would be that I would develop leaders that influence the world for Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to build leaders. Uh, that's uh, Ephesians 4. That tells me what I'm supposed to do as a pastor and as a leader. But the second thing that I would love to do is I want to help people fall in love with the word of God, right? But more importantly, I want people to fall in love with the God of the word of God, right? But we can't really do that until we have an understanding of what's actually going on inside the Bible. It's important that we know that. And so this entire series was kind of birthed from a, a, a statement that I read, and I, and I read it last week, but I want to read it again, kind of reiterate it. But um, a generation that loves their church more than their Bible will eventually only love the caricature of the God that they create. The caricature of God, the God they create. Last week, I wanted to give you a basic understanding of what the Bible is, because for us to test the Bible, we have to have a basic understanding of it. The, three, the things that I told you last week was to get a paper Bible, to study it, and to talk about it. And I hope that you lived out these tangible uh, opportunities for you to kind of understand some of the word this week. And, and hopefully you did that. This should be a place in your life that is solid ground, that's foundational for you. Like, it's not an option of whether I can have time to do my quiet time. It's something that I do every day. Um, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Last week we talked about how in Colossians 3 and 16 it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Everybody say richly. Everybody say dwell. So now we know what the Holy Bible is. Remember, Bible is just book, but it's not just a book. It's, it's the, the Holy Bible. Now, why can the Bible be trusted? This is probably going to be the most shared uh, message of this series. This will probably be the, be the one with the most content that you can write down. So get your notebook ready. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my teacher hat on a little bit. I'm going to give you so much content, you're not ready for it. Are you ready? No, you're not ready. I'm telling you, you're not ready. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. Uh, I'm gonna let a. Ca I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Okay. How accurate is the Bible? I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. It might be from the Department of Redundancy Department, but if you don't know already, I'm a pastor. So it's kind of built in that I do believe that the Bible is true. Okay. All right. So I have to be very upfront and clear here. To me, this is the Holy Bible, okay? It's, it's set apart, I, and, and to me, it's like fine china in my house, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like that fine china, you're going you're gonna to protect that thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to protect it. It's, it. There are not many things in my life that are more valuable to me. In fact, there are two things that I have on stage today that I rarely, that never leave my house, okay? Uh, number one, this is actually my dad's Bible, and uh, this thing right here has been through like, it been through Hurricane Harvey. It was flooded in Hurricane Harvey. My wife and some of our friends went through and put paper towels in between each page 
and dried each page out. And it still has my notes, my dad's notes to me inside of this Bible. I like the little tabs. Y'all remember when they used to put the tabs because we were so lazy, we didn't look in the table of contents, right? And, uh, and you know, and uh, so, but my dad's Bible right here is so valuable to me because I can go back and look at some of his notes and he was in the military, so he has impeccable handwriting. Well, then this one right here, we discovered when my dad passed away, this is actually my grandma's Bible. Uh, my grandma Nella, and and, and uh, I didn't even know this existed until my dad died. And uh, when we went to collect things and, and go through his things, we found my grandma's Bible. And I went inside the Bible here, and there are notes that are literally written about me and my brother that were detailed to our life, that were prophecies that God had spoken to her 30-something years ago that have come to fruition. God told her I was going to be in ministry before I was even born. How crazy is that? I don't draw, I don't, yeah, that's crazy. I don't come from a generational missionary family. I, my family is a military family. I'm the first one in ministry in my family. And so, but like, these things are valuable. They're special to me. But if we believe that the Bible is holy and it's set apart in our life, we should make room for it and plant it inside of our hearts, right? We should make room for it. You should set apart a time for it. Church, can I just be real with you? If we can set apart time for Netflix, or we set apart time for the Rockets, or we set apart time to go to the rodeo, we can make time for our Bible. If it's that important, I've learned this over ministry, over time in ministry, people make time for what they want to make time for. Right? You want a better marriage? Make time for your marriage. Right? You want a better sex life? I'll let you complete that statement. You make, you make time for what's important to you. You make time for what is important to you. And I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta throw this out here. We're living in an era of deconstruction. Deconstruction. And I just got to be honest with you, I don't really have the time to dive into exactly what that is and why I think it's kind of unhealthy. Uh, but the main point of deconstruction ends up most of the time, I don't see many people walking through deconstruction and actually reconstructing something. You know what I'm saying? I don't see very many people putting things back together. It, so what happens is it becomes, instead of deconstruction, it becomes redefinition. That's not biblical. That's not something I can stand for. Here's what I believe. Matthew 24 and 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Uh, why, why do I need to deconstruct something that God already said never would change or pass away? Why do I need to do that? His words will live forever. So today I want to give you, normally I'm a good preacher and I have about three points uh, three good points for you today. I'm going to be an astounding preacher, and I'm going to give you seven convincing proofs that the that yes, yes. Are you ready? We'll be at about six tonight, and uh, <clears throat> no, I can do it in my time. I promise, production team. And so, seven convincing proofs that this book truly is the word of God. Now, I, I went, y'all. I've read so much content, like. I get dizzy, like books. I've listened to so many sermons. I've listened to so many debates, apologetics. I've listened to atheists talk. I've listened to Christians talk. I've listened to Jewish. I've listened to, I've listened to everybody talk about this. And I put all this content together. I'm going to take my pastor hat off for a minute. Is that okay? All right. 
although I'm preaching to you, I'm going to take the pastor hat off, and I'm going to give you this content unfiltered, no opinions. I'm going to give you exactly the content that I discovered. Y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready for this? I, I was excited about this. I hope y'all are excited. Like, I, I'm excited about this. Number one, the thing that I've found through all the studies is that the Holy Bible is historically accurate. Historically accurate. Let me, let me prove it to you, okay? Many people believe that the principles of the Bible are right. Uh, there are even leadership uh, courses that say, that will tell Bible teachers that come in and they say, hey, I want you to teach the principles of the Bible. And the pre- you know, those people say, well, I want, okay, I'll teach the Bible. They're like, no, 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 no. I want you to teach the principles of the Bible, right? So many people believe that the principles of the Bible are right. There are even some preachers that will say, man, that's a great illustration there in the Bible, but I'm not sure the story actually happened that way. It's a slippery slope, right? I think the reason why that happens is because it's a faith issue. So uh, just because it's not humanly possible doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just because it's not humanly possible. It is not humanly possible, I've looked up the science, it is not humanly possible for a man to live in the belly of a whale for three days. It's not. Especially without an iPhone. It's impossible, right? I actually agree with you. But neither is a virgin birth. Neither is a resurrection. Right? There are many things that are not humanly possible that I have put my faith in. Now let's look at the history. This girl wrote a research paper on Jonah and the whale. And uh, the teacher was actually an atheist. And so she turned her, her paper in. The teacher was mad, y'all. Just mad. It was like, why did you write this paper on this? Why did you write on Jonah? The girl was like, because I know it's the truth. Well, the teacher was like, how, how, how do you know, how do you know? Well, the girl was like, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. Well, the t- I'll ask him. Well, the teacher said, well, what if he didn't go to heaven? What if, what if he went to hell? And the little girl said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> hey, that's a preacher joke. That's a preacher joke. It's okay. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's funny. Don't email me. I'm not going to read it. Okay. All right. It's a joke. Psalm 33 and 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. I want you to say these two words, right and true. How can you prove if something is right and it's true, if it's historically accurate? Let's go to science, okay? Let's put it to the test. This is the historical standard if something is right and true. There are three standards. Number one, eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts. Newspapers typically won't publish something unless there's an eyewitness account of something that happened, right? Okay, history books won't unless there's an eyewitness account. Well, guys, the Bible, the, the story had people that were actually there. They're in person. The gospels were written with people who spent time with Jesus. They were there. They were with him. They didn't even collaborate on these books together when they wrote them. They were writing in different geographical areas. And guess what? They all match. So first first proof, eyewitness accounts. Check. We had those. Eyewitness accounts of what happened in the Bible. Number two, recorded. It's recorded and copied with extreme care. The Jewish nation, this is incredible. This is something I found in my study this week. The Jewish people were the people that were tasked and given the responsibility and the honor of being keepers of the word of God. They were being keepers. I think it's very interesting, something that I found in my study this week, that 
that the Jewish people that day, they were known culturally for being the most detailed scribes in history. So God intentionally chose the most detailed scribes in history to record the Bible and keep it safe. To record the scrolls. In fact, the Jewish scribes recorded the Torah. They transcribed it letter by letter. If you do research on this, this is how detailed they were. When they got to the finish line of Deuteronomy, they knew what the middle letter was in all of the books. They knew what the middle letter was. So what they would do is when they finished one transcription, they would count backwards. And they would get to their count. And if that letter was not the letter that was the middle letter of those those books, they would throw that transcription away. That's how detailed they were. That's how detailed they were. There's a myth that's going around today, and especially in 2022, a narrative that every time the Bible is translated, it's getting weaker and weaker and, and weaker. That's just not true. That's not what we find in history. They're going back to the original manuscripts that we still have today. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1948, and until now, they have discovered the oldest manuscripts of Scripture. And guess what? All of them match. They all match. It's recorded and copied with extreme care. Check. Well, then number three, archaeological confirmation. This is probably my favorite of the the proof of the three. They have archaeological, they've done digs, and they found proof of the distinct people groups described in the Bible, and they found locations and evidence of where those people were there. And, And so they found evidence for every empire except for, recently, the Hittite Empire. It was the only empire that they had found nothing on, okay? In fact, there were, you know, even believers that were saying, well, maybe, maybe they missed on this one, okay? Maybe I, we can't find anything. Maybe the Bible missed it with this, okay? The Hittite Empire, we can't find anything with it. Until about 100 years ago, there was a dig where they found everything that was associated with that empire and the exact biblical location described. They just had to dig a little deeper than they had been digging. That'll preach right there, but I don't have time to preach it. The Bible is not only true, but it's right. Bible is not only true, but it's right. So it is historically accurate. We found that it is historically accurate. Historically accurate. I love the research of, of these archaeological digs. And you can go and look up pictures on Google. They actually found, found um, little pieces of, of old Solomon's temple. And it's, it, God, it's, it's incredible. Go look. Check it out. Incredible. Awesome. The second proof is this. The Holy Bible is scientifically accurate. Scientifically. How many times have we heard the phrase, trust the science, the last few years? We've heard that. But what we have found is that science changes. Science evolves. We're learning that quickly right now, right? Very quickly. Uh, In fact, I put this jacket on for the first time in a long time, and I found a mask in my jacket. I haven't worn a mask at church in in a little bit, but uh, we're learning that quickly, that science does change. And, and And that's okay. What they know right now will change in a few weeks and a few months. It's evolved over time. In fact, we've got a world-renowned chemist in our church that has over 30 patents to his name, and he would tell you the exact same thing. I asked him that this week in my research. Confirm this for me. Absolutely, science changes. But here's the thing. Science has evolved, but truth remains the same. 
Science has evolved, but truth remains the same. Psalm 148, five through six. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. Amen. For he issued his command that they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Everybody say never. So for a book that was written over 1,600 years ago, there's got to be one thing that needed to be scientifically corrected over that time, right? Because science has evolved. There's got to be one thing that scientifically, culturally put inside of this Bible that has to be corrected now, right? There's got to be something. Got to be something. Actually, I mean, we changed our science books from generation to generation, right? Your science book, when you were a kid, would not work now. They would laugh at it. In fact, try to pull out your computer science book. Right, exactly. It will, like, they would laugh at it, okay? We've changed it. In fact, in Paris, you can visit a museum called the Louvre. Has anybody there been there? Anybody? No? Okay, cool. Go there. You have? All right, we got one. Awesome. They have three and a half miles of science textbooks that are outdated, <laughs> Outdated, okay? Three and a half miles. Here's one. Uh, in 1861, it's the French Academy of Science. And, and inside of that book, there are 51 incontrovertible scientific facts that prove the Bible is wrong. Since then, all 51 have been controverted. <laughs> all 51. In fact, it's not just about the science, uh, about what it did say, but sometimes it's about what it didn't say. For instance, okay, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, people in this world believed that the earth was flat. The earth was flat. They believed it for years. I know now we don't think that. Or, well, some of y'all got some tinfoil hats, and that's cool. We'll figure that out in a different series. Um, I'm kidding. But, uh, but some people, you know, for many, many years, that they believed the world was flat. In fact, as people were discovering lands, they, man, you can't go that way. You're going to fall off the end of the earth. You know, you can't can't do that. They thought the earth was flat, was flat, but the, here's the thing. The Bible already told them what shape the world was. All they had to do was go back to the word. Isaiah 40 and 22, God sits enthroned above the, oh, they don't have that on the screen yet. Above the, the circle of the earth. The circle of the earth. It's the Hebrew word, that circle is Hebrew word for, for, for sphere where we get globe. God's like, duh. You know what I'm saying? Okay, here's another one. There was a belief back in the day, scientific belief that the earth had to be held up. That it was held up. There are some funky beliefs that have been presented here. Let me give you some of them. The Greeks believed that it sat on Atlas's shoulders, Right? The Hindus believe that it was on the back of the, an elephant who was on the back of a sea turtle who stood on the back of a serpent who swam through the sea. Some crazy stuff, you know, right? The Egyptians were brilliant, guys. The Egyptians were brilliant, okay? And in fact, Moses was trained in their schools, okay? Brilliant. But even they believed that the world was held up on pillars. Well, let's go back to the oldest book in the Bible. Remember, the Bible's not written chronologically. Let's go back to the oldest book of the Bible. Anybody know what that is? Thank you. Okay, all right, my people, okay. Job, chapter 26, verse 7. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over, not over, not on Atlas's shoulders, not on a back of a sea, or an elephant and a sea turtle and a serpent and a, 
not on pillars. How did Job know? How did Job know that? How did, how did he know science back then in the oldest book of the Bible? How did he know? Maybe Job didn't write it. Maybe God wrote it through Job. Maybe the author of the Bible is not Job or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What if it's God writing through them? That, that, another one was that the number of stars could be counted. The number of stars, that was another belief. You could count the stars. A guy in 150 BC, he tried to count all the stars. And, and you know what his number was? 1,022. A little off, a little off, Bubba. In fact, Brother Know-It-All Google um, says that there are 200 billion trillion stars. You know, at some point, I think they just make up numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, how hungry are you, son? I'm 200 billion trillion hungry. That's how that went, the way I read that uh, right there. Let, let me give you this, Jeremiah 32, 33 and 22. The stars of the sky, why are we trying? Like the Bible says it can't be counted. There was a belief back in the day that too much blood made you sick. Too much blood made you sick. In fact, there was a practice called humoralism. This was very interesting. They, they believed that sickness came from four liquids in your body. Yellow bile, black bile, phlegm, and blood. And those were bad for you. Okay? You couldn't have too much of those. And they had a practice called bloodletting. And they would actually cut you to let the sickness bleed out of you. Let the sickness bleed out of you. That's actually how they killed our first president, George Washington. He lost 40% of his blood in bloodletting, and he died. That's how that happened. Well, they could have avoided all that if they were just gone back to the word. Leviticus 17 and 11, for the life of the body is in its blood. In the Middle Ages, they had a contagion, a pandemic of their own, a plague. Uh, 25% of Europe died in the bubonic plague. Died, okay? They had no idea that disease could be spread from person to person. Okay, this, y'all are going to love this one right here, especially where we're at, what we're dealing with. I mean, they had no idea that you could mask, that you could quarantine, that they didn't know, but they could have. Leviticus, Leviticus 13 and 4, the priest will quarantine the person seven days. Y'all better let the CDC know, <laughs> right? We'll quarantine the person seven days. Guys, Psalm 12 and 6, the, the words of the Lord are flawless. We can test it in history. We can test it in science. The word of the Lord, the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Let me give you some more. This is so good. Number three, the Holy Bible is prophetically accurate. This is super interesting. It's not just that you're writing a book and you're asking people to believe in it. But now you're writing predictions. Like if one goes wrong, the whole thing's wrong. Right? You're writing predictions. There are over a thousand predictions, prophecies in Scripture. 300 detailed prophecies about Jesus alone. That he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. He would be born in Bethlehem. The last prophecy written about Jesus was about 400 years before he was ever born. They all came to fruition. That would be like Christopher Columbus predicting TikTok dances nowadays. Right? It happened. David prophesied the crucifixion before there actually were crucifixions. It's prophetically accurate. Scientists did a study on the probability of these prophecies coming true. One person fulfilling eight prophecies, okay, the probability is one in 10 to the 17th power. If you're confused on what that number is, it's one in one with 17 zeros. 
17 zeros. That, yeah, they were good on the screen. That's a lot of zeros, right? One person fulfilling 16 prophecies is one to the 45th power. And one person fulfilling 48 prophecies is one in 10 to the 157th power. Woo! There is no explanation for all of these. Put that back up there for a minute. There is no explanation for all of these prophecies. Throw it up there, though, the probability. Thank you. For all these probabilities to come to pass, to be 100% accurate, there is no other explanation other than God did this. There is no other explanation. 2 Peter 1 and 21, for prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 26 and 56. But all of this is happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scripture. Guys, there are many prophecies in the Bible that have yet to be delivered. And we need to make sure that we're on the right side of these prophecies. Right? This isn't like tickle your ear preaching right now. I know that you're not like, man, we're not shouting from the rooftops here. But there's, a, there, there's an end time prophecy coming. Revelation 22 and 6, the angel said to me, these words were trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. There will be a day where you and I will stand before God and God will judge us. There will be a day. It's a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. Number four. The Bible, we talked about this a little bit last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. If you want to review it, go look at last week's message. But number one, or number four, the Holy Bible is thematically unified. Thematically unified. The Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years in over a dozen countries, by, on three continents, by over 40 people in three different languages. And how did they all get the same story? How did they get the same story? I mean, the Quran was written by one person, Muhammad. The Analects of Confucius, one person. The writings of Buddha, one person. You expect it to be unified. But all of these people from all of these places over all of those years, all unified into one story, and it all matches with one subject. And what is that subject? Jesus. Luke 24 and 27. In the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what, he, what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. All the way back. Number five, the Holy Bible is trusted by Jesus. Now, systematically, this might be the weakest argument that I bring to you today. Uh, but I will bring you this point. If you have given your life to Jesus and you've surrendered your life to him, wouldn't it make sense that whatever he says is right should be right in your life? Systematically. Matthew 5 and 18. This is Jesus. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. What's Jesus saying? This is why I think it's a slippery slope when people are deconstructing the Bible, redefining the Bible. You're doing that many times to just create a life that you want to live and create your own expression. That's a dangerous place to, to be. It's a dangerous place to be. If you believe like you... Like you, you believe in the Bible, but you don't live like it. You've created a caricature of God, which is the most dangerous place to be in. Number six, the Holy Bible has survived all attacks. Everybody say all. 
The thing I loved about listening to debates, I, if I wasn't a preacher, I'd probably do debate. I'd probably do that. I like, it fired me up this week. I started arguing with the internet. Like, I was just like, you know what I'm saying? All right, somebody's back there with me. All right, come on. Like, I, I like, put me in, coach. I'm ready. Like, <laughs> but like, I, the Bible has survived all of these ta- attacks. I listened to these debates with these, these, you know, 15 atheists or 15 agnostics, people that were former believers, whatever, they would team up against this one guy. And, and, and the question I had to ask was, why, why is the Bible being attacked so much? Why is it being attacked? The Bible is the most despised, derided, denied, disputed, di- dissected, debated, outlawed, and most destroyed book of all time. Yet it's still here thousands and thousands of years later. Why? Why is that? Very smart people have joined the ranks to debate against the Bible. Some of the smartest people in the entire world. In fact, there was a French philosopher named Voltaire in the 18th century. He was a genius, y'all. Like In that day, he was a genius, okay? Very smart individual. But he's famous for this thought. He said this, he said this right? He said, within 100 years, the Bible will be forgotten about. Within 100 years, the Bible will be forgotten about. Well... Here we are in 2022, and he's in the ground, and we're still studying the Bible. In fact, I love this. This is like biblical irony and like, like biblical shade. It's like Jesus, like, eh, I mean. <laughs> uh, when he died, the French Bible Society actually bought his house, and they run their office out of it now. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the next level, right? It's okay to be a little petty, right? Uh, no, it's funny. It's funny. 1 Peter 24 and 25, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever, forever. It endures through the attacks. That's why when people come to me and they're like, Pastor Michael, I'm dealing with doubt. I'm dealing with doubt and I feel so ashamed of my doubt. Never be ashamed of your doubt because the word of God is strong enough to stand on its own. Never be scared to ask questions. Never be scared to come to your small group leader, your life group leader, your pastor, your, your, your mentor, and say, hey, look, I've got this question about this particular thing. That doesn't mean that they're always going to know the answer. And sometimes you've got to allow them the grace to say, you know what? That's a great question. I'm going to go study it, and we'll find out together. Like y'all come ask me questions sometimes. I'll say, sometimes I don't know all the answers, guys. I'm not Jesus. I didn't write this thing. You know what I'm saying? But I will go back and we'll study it together and we'll discover it together and we'll find out what the word of God says together, right? Because it stands on its own and it will endure forever, endure forever because it's right and it's true. It's right and it's true. So the question for you and I today, I've given you six proofs so far. Historical proof, scientific proof. The questions that we have today is that will I attack God's word or will I live by it? Will I deconstruct it or will I defend it? Will I follow the world or the word? And Pastor Michael, what are you going to do if they make it illegal? They probably will one day. Y'all going to see me in jail. I, I'm, I mean, I know it's kind of funny, but it's not funny. Like, I like... It might happen, but I'll tell you what, they're going to take me to jail preaching this word because it endures forever. If it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. It's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. I know way too many missionaries that are in the underground church in China that are preaching the word 
in an area that it's, that it's illegal. That if they are caught with this, they'll be killed. But they say, if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. It, it endures forever. One thing I want to make very crystal clear as I close today. I want to promise you something as your pastor. I want to promise you something. Every time I take this stage to preach to you, I, that I've had the opportunity to preach with you, it's an honor. It's an honor. I truly look at it as an honor. In a world that you just don't know who you can trust, what you can trust, what source you can trust, I'm not telling you that I'm a perfect man and that you should look to me. I'm a man. I'm not a perfect man. I just happen to be a pastor. But every time that I step on this stage, the message that I give from the stage will not be my opinion. I, the message I will give cannot be my opinion. Why? Because my opinion does not matter. I promise to give you every time I step to the stage what this historically accurate, archaeologically accurate, and scientifically accurate, and spiritually accurate book says about your life. Because let's be real. If I tell you what I think, it'll fail. But if I tell you what he thinks, it'll endure forever. And if you live by what he thinks, you'll endure forever. His due. You can test this last proof for yourself, but we say this often at this, at this church. Go all into God's vision for your life. Like go all in one year. At the end of one year, you won't be able to recognize yourself. When I'm saying go all in, you give your life to Jesus. You get baptized. You get in a life group. You join a team. You tithe. You like go all in for Jesus for one year. You will not recognize the life you have at the end of it. Anybody a testament to that? Anybody a testament? Come on. That's good. But the truth is, is that this is not about vibrant church. Vibrant church is just a vehicle to reach people for God's kingdom. It's not about the little C church. It's about the big C church. It's about God being in your life. Too many people are making decisions on what God is actually able to do on someone's life based off of a half-hearted effort. And Jeremiah, it says, if you will seek me with all your heart, you will find me. But if you don't put your heart into it, you'll never find what you're looking for in this life. You'll never find it. Let me, we've got to let the word of God work in us. I heard from a man in our church this week, and, and I won't give away details, but this man told me, he was like, man, thank you so much. You and this church has changed my life, has changed my marriage. We found the strength to welcome back family with open arms, and I think it's just because of us coming to Vibrant, we're growing so much. Guys, this is not about me. This is not about our team. I'm not the shepherd. I'm the under-shepherd. This is Jesus' church. This is his kingdom. This, this mantle our church has been given uh, has been a mantle of restoration and healing. And I don't know why this came to us, but we believe that freedom comes in your life when you truly put into action the word of God, the word of God in your life. The seventh biblical proof that only, or the seventh proof that the Bible is real, that only you can prove for you is that is this. The Holy Bible has life-changing power. Life-changing power. John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus said, If, you're hold, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. Another translation says, make you free. That word know, it, 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 or just, just holding on to this, it's gnosko. 
gnosko, right? Imagine, I want you to imagine this for a moment. Imagine walking into your doctor's office because you're not feeling well. And instead of a thermometer being used the way it normally would be, you know, put in your mouth or your ear or your forehead, he says, all right, open your hands up. And you do like this. And he puts the thermometer just laying across your hand. After a few seconds, the nurse picks it up and says, well, your temperature looks just fine. Y'all would leave that hospital and say, this is one of weird hospitals. I ain't trying to do that. How would you respond? Well, you respond, of course this looks fine, right? You didn't use the thermometer the right way. You didn't measure my temperature. You're measuring the, the temperature of the room. In the setting used that way, the best the thermometer could do is read the air temperature, right? It's not the thermometer itself was broken or ineffective. It's that it wasn't being used correctly. In the same way, when we say, man, I'm so glad I went and got a paper Bible like Pastor Michael told me to do this week. That's going to look so good on my nightstand. And the next time we touch it is when we dust it off. It's not that something's broken with our Bible. It's not that something's wrong with the history of it or the science of it. Something's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. It's that we're not using it right. We're not allowing it to take the temperature of us. In a world that has so much chaos, you can find hope again. But it'll only be found if you use the tool correctly. You want to know, you want to know God? Know his word. Because it's true and it's right. Would you stand with me across the room today? Some of you have come into this house and you're stressed, you're burdened. Maybe you're in bondage, you need freedom. You've got anxiety and you need release in your life right now. Media team, I'm not sure I gave this to you and if I didn't, we'll, we'll work through it. But I wanna, do a, I, wanna, I wanna do something to close and we're gonna sing, actually gonna sing an old song. I told our team, can we sing that today? just really spoke to me in my study. I want us to declare a statement of faith today. If this is you, if, if I've proven to you as a third party, not a pastor, but as a man, showing you the history, the science, the archaeological proof, this thing is true and right. If you believe that today, if you're going to live your life by the concepts and the precepts and the principles of the Bible, I want you to repeat this after me. Say, dear God, from this day forward, I will accept the Bible as your flawless word. And I will make it the final authority in my life. Even when I don't understand it, when it's not popular, when it's not easy, and even when I don't like it. You are God, and I am not. Thank you for loving me enough to speak to me through your word. I want to love your word. I want to learn your word. And I want to live your word. 
Right now, would you close your eyes right now across this room in a moment of dedication? Nothing crazy going on, nothing, nothing wild going on, but in a moment of dedication, giving ourselves, rededicating ourselves back to his word, to his precepts, to his concepts, to his principles. Let us sing together. The word of God seed, let you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, feast of time. Let's sing it out and lift our hands today in dedication. Word of God. week, I want to encourage you. Get your paper Bible. Now we know it's accurate. We can lean into it fully. There's no doubt here. We can jump in. Love it. Learn it. Live it. Let's go all in. Let's not, let's not get in the kit. Let's not stay in the kiddie pool. Let's dive in. Let's dive into the word and let him change us. Amen. Amen. He want to let him, anybody want to let him change us? Come on, can you clap your hands? That's where you're at today. I appreciate you letting me preach with you today. Just a reminder, next step two is directly after service to the doors to my right, your left. We would love to see you connect with our team. We love you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you in life groups and next Sunday morning.